0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Making Learning Special, where we talk about everything from parenting tips and strategies to early childhood development, all the way to the realities of parenthood. I'm your host, Madonna Lazo-Smith, and with me is my husband and co-host, Zach Smith. So last week, we talked about Five things I wouldn't do as a speech pathologist mom, and it was a trend on TikTok. And today, for this episode, we're talking about five things that Zach, who is a fitness and nutrition coach, wouldn't do as a fitness and nutrition coach dad. Basically, that is our episode for today. So we're just gonna kick it off, and Zach, go for it.
1: <laughs> All right, Sh- straight to business. Okay, yeah, straight here we to go.
0: Business. <laughs>
1: So, so and then of course, you could chime in on these things, right? Because we're of the same mind here. But as a, I guess, fitness professional, sure, I'll call myself that. Um, These are things I would not do. So number one is I would never tell my kids that there are inherently bad foods, because the fact of the matter is, there are no inherently bad foods. Now, there is one exception to this rule. And that is trans fats, trans fats are and have been found to be just pretty much bad for you, which is why America has actually made illegal to add trans fats into foods now there will be some trace trans fats within things like red meat for instance but not to the it's it's not enough to where it's going to be unhealthy for you unless all you're eating is literally just red meat all day every day um so let me get this straight real
0: fast so you wouldn't tell your kid oh that's unhealthy versus that's healthy or are you necessarily are you saying oh that's a good food versus a bad food are you interchanging unhealthy and healthy No, I never,
1: ever, ever, ever say anything is just unhealthy or bad for you. What people need to understand, because most people think that if something is processed, it's just already unhealthy for you. It's bad for you. It's toxic for you. It's going to cause sickness. It's going to cause cancer. It's going to cause inflammation. It's going to cause chronic disease. It's going to cause obesity, diabetes, like insulin resistance, all that crazy stuff. The reality is it's not the foods that are making people sick. It's the level of obesity. What people just fail to realize is there are no bad foods, like I said, except for trans fats. That's the only exception. Even things like sugar. Sugar is not inherently bad. There's just a very, very strong correlation with people who happen to have diabetes and people who are obese and an elevated level of of sugar consumption. That's really all it is. But sugar in itself, there are absolutely zero studies, literally zero studies saying that sugar causes Obesity, sugar causes insulin resistance or type two diabetes. That is just not the case. People have taken the scientific literature out of context and pick and chose like little sentences that kind of that kind of uh, promote their agenda. And you'll usually find that people who say these things and, and take the literature out of context usually have something to sell. The bottom line is, though, there are no inherently bad foods. So the way that I describe it to ACE is there's less nutritious foods and more nutritious foods. Period. Because every single food, Mm -hmm. if it it provides energy to your body, meaning it contains calories, it is food. It doesn't mean that the level of micronutrients are going to be as, you know, as uh, well balanced as something like fruits and vegetables and lean meats and all that good stuff. But in the bottom line is it provides energy to the body, helps us live, helps us do our normal daily functions. And it's just food that can be healthily incorporated into an overall like well balanced diet.
0: Yeah, so, and I think yeah. to to go along with this too is that um for example recently Ace is all like oh I um let's look at the pantry and he wanted chocolate for breakfast right. And right. I, w- I would tell him, oh, um, this isn't as nutritious as, um, as if we eat some granola or some fruits for breakfast, you know, fruits in- with milk and things like that versus having chocolate that might make your belly hurt in the morning. Yes, it's food, but not as nutritious as if you have um, other things for breakfast, right? Instead of no, yeah, um, right. chocolate is unhealthy, we can't eat it. Because he sees sometimes adults eat chocolate even for breakfast, right? Donuts, right, you know? right.
1: Like and, and I'm of I'm I'm of the mind like it doesn't matter what you want to eat and when you want to eat it as long as overall at the end of the day it's something that was well balanced and you incorporated some of the quote unquote unhealthy foods with the more nutritious whole food sources, right? So let's pretend Ace wanted chocolate for for breakfast one day. Sure, I don't I honestly don't care. I don't mind, but the but what's going to happen later on is in the day is what is he going to have. He's going to have primarily whole food sources. That's going to nourish his body to a better extent than chocolate would. Mm -hmm. Or he can front load it and have a healthy balanced breakfast and lunch and snacks and all the good stuff. And maybe later he can have the chocolate. Now I'm not saying that has to be something that happens every day, but the point is you can mix and match it and do it however the heck you want. Because honestly speaking is breakfast uh, is, you know how they say breakfast is the most, most important meal. Sure. It can be for if that's what you want it to be, or you can just forego it. Like people do intermittent fasting all the time. Can you have dessert after dinner? Sure. Can you have it before? Yes. You can literally do whatever you want, however you want, as long as in general, you're maintaining a healthy weight and you're having a good balance of the more nutritious foods and the less nutritious foods. That's really what it's all about. A lot of people put a lot of hard rules on what needs to be done. It needs to be done this way. It needs to be done that way. It doesn't. It really doesn't. As long as overall, he's having a healthy balanced diet. I don't care what he eats and when. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Now we try to make him prioritize the whole food sources first because we want to make sure that he's getting the micronutrients and you know the vitamins and minerals. That's what I mean when I say micronutrients within his diet. Yeah. And as long as he has that, he can have the treats. He can have the treats. But the bottom line, like I said, number one is teach him that there are bad foods. That is something that I see so many people do. And if you want to talk about the whole, oh, I have a bad relationship with food, blah, blah, blah. When you tell somebody that something is bad, yet they really, really love it. Like food psychology, one psychology, they're going, yes.
0: they're, exactly. they're
1: naturally going to just be thinking about that all day, every day. And then what happens when you restrict them from it for far too long, they're going to just be focusing on it to the point for like that when they get their hands on it, they're going to overcompensate. They're going to overdo it. They're going to overconsume because they were so restricted. So th- th- this is a whole other topic when it comes to restrictive dieting, but, uh, and that's not what this podcast is about, but just in general, this is where these kinds of beliefs stem from whatever it is, the knowledge that you pass on to your kids. So if you tell them that these things are bad and you stay away from it, you can't have this naturally, they're going to want that. day, day. every So if you're able to incorporate a little bit of that every day or a few days or once a week or whatever it is, the regimen is that you put together, that's part of an overall healthy balanced diet so that your kid doesn't feel like they need to just snag it and steal it whenever like whenever no one's looking or something crazy like that, if that if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and just to go with that, because in this podcast, we're all about maximizing your child's development. And that's why we're talking about this, because it does carry on as they're older as well, right? We don't know it. But the habits that we have, it's so ingrained in us, but we don't know all the things that we've gone through when we were younger that might have gone into subconscious thought and that we're portraying now that we're older, right? So these are some of the yeah. things that are happening even when um, we're talking about nutrition and health and fitness with our children, right? So one of the other things too that I've learned is not necessarily forcing our kids to eat. I'm not sure if you're going to touch on mm-hmm. that, but like forcing Oh, no, but that's a good
1: point yeah so
0: um forcing our kids to eat like okay you're um well one more bite. Well, you know, some parents, we do this naturally because we were taught it as well, right? One more bite and you get a piece of chocolate. Okay. Finish this even when they're, um, they're feeling full. So the thing is to follow your child's hunger and full fullness cues, right? Number one. And then also you're still giving them that guideline of, okay, you can eat these foods under our guidance, right? Under, um, these are the foods that you can eat. But for them, they need to learn naturally how much are they eating so they can um, figure out when they're full and they're not eating too much, right? They'll know when they're hungry and they'll know when they're full. um, You're telling them early on those cues and helping them intuitively know when they're feeling those. So not necessarily forcing your kids to finish their whole plate. I know even culturally, even um you know, we're used to that. We're like, oh, there's one more piece or three more bites left, but I'm just so full, but you're so accustomed to finishing your food. So yeah. that's part of um what we've learned and what we've um grown up to uh to it's a habit, right? So we want to start building these healthy habits in our kids and knowing when you're full, you're full when you're hungry, okay, then eat, but we are in control of what they're eating at the moment, not necessarily you're hungry, you're going to go eat gummy bears, right?
1: Yeah, no, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because learning to understand and listen to your hunger cues is actually a skill nowadays. It's kind of crazy. I mean, if it wasn't a skill, then, you know, three fourths of Americans wouldn't be obese or overweight, right? Um, Over the age of 20. And for kids, I believe it's about 20%. So every one in five kids is obese or overweight. Um, reason being is of course, as a culture, as you know, and that might not be for everybody, but at least in like the Asian culture, they say, you know, don't take your food for granted. Don't play with your food. Make sure you eat all of the food on your plate because they come from a place where it's a developing nation, third world nation, wherever you want to call it, where food is scarce, money is scarce. Right. So it comes from a certain culture and a certain kind of mindset. And that's something that we, we've adopted as we grew up because that's what we were taught. Mm -hmm. Right. We were taught to stuff ourselves, even though we weren't full. I mean, even though we weren't hungry anymore, right? But you can't waste food, you can't waste food. So me and Madonna, we found a happy medium in between, right? Because I still don't like to waste food because I just don't like to take that stuff for granted and be wasteful. So that's just, you know, not out of a scarcity mindset from where where I believe that's stemmed from. I just don't like to do it because I just don't like to be wasteful. So what we do is when we're, when Ace says he's full, cool, pack it up, He can eat it later. You don't necessarily have to throw it away if you're the kind of person like, like or kind of people like we are, where we don't like to waste anything. But you don't have to force them to eat it because you could turn one meal into two. That's that's okay. the bottom line. So I'm actually glad that you talked about that and real quick too because there's too many people out there that force feed their kids because they think that stuffing them is gonna make them healthier, right? When in reality, all you're doing is getting their their stomach acclimated to being expanded to that extent. And then if they don't feel like they're expanded to that, their stomach is expanded to that extent, they're going to feel like they're not full yet. They're like, wait a minute. I only feel content. Content's not how I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel like stuffed. And all that does is mean they're more than likely going to be eating in a surplus, a caloric surplus, meaning they're going to gain weight over the course of time. So let's not make this whole fitness thing here, but, uh, but the reality is self-awareness is extremely important. And you, you don't want to, you don't want to tell your kids to do something and eat things um, beyond their level of satiety, let them yeah, listen to and, their body.
0: And I will bring up this point too, where kids are like, oh, I'm full and they just want to play. So that's also a um, a balancing thing for parents, right? Like, when do you know when your child is full versus, oh, they're just distracted or just want to do well, something you else? You
1: have to, well, you have to limit distractions. That's a whole other conversation. We could talk about number one for like an entire episode if yeah, I'm being definitely. honest. Definitely. We'll have to save that for next
0: time because this is a wait, huge it, one for
1: parents. These kids like, are smart right? These kids are smart. Yes. They will do the things that like the minimum standard to go ahead and go play if they get see any distractions whatsoever. So pro tip, don't distract your kid until they do what you need them to do, which is eat their food. Um, Let me hop on to number two now, because if I do continue to go here, we literally would talk about this for like 30 whole minutes. So yes. so number two, and the reason why I'm gonna hop to number two is it's kind of relative to number one in the sense that it has to do with nutrition and eating, right? So number two, what I never would do with my kid is give them a kid's menu when eating out. Now, The reason being
0: controversial. Yeah, it can be
1: controversial, of course, because not everybody wants their kid to have as open of a palate as we want ours. Right. But like like I said before, train the way you want to perform. Right. So if you want your kid to have an open palate, then you got to expose them to different kinds of foods, different techniques, different seasonings, different just everything, different textures and all that good stuff. What happens when you eliminate you know, the whole adult the whole guess, menu, menu it, <laughs> and you give them the kids menu where you're going to go get some Asian food. You're going to get some Mexican food. You're going to get some whatever it may be. Right. It, 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 Cajun food. But when you give your kid the child's menu, what's all they see? Cheeseburger. I can tell you, nuggets yeah. or tenders and fries.
0: Chicken tenders, fries, grilled cheese, maybe a quesadilla at a Mexican rex- restaurant. You know, right. the very basic things that you see in every single kid's menu.
1: Yep yep and i think and i think that if you want unless you want your kids to only be eating that for the next 17 years of their life until they're an adult and realize like holy crap there's a lot more food out there but they just didn't want to explore and test it it's because you didn't expose them to these things right we've talked about this many times in the past how you know some people will be like well i give him that food because he doesn't like this madonna you could take it away in regards to how many times you have to you know expose a child to something before they're even willing to consider it if you want to you know, care to explain to the listeners here why just giving up after one try is is not the smart approach.
0: Yeah, and research shows that usually as parents or even, uh, you know, caregivers, let's just say that you give a child um, food and you, um, you give it to them a certain amount of times, maybe about three to eight times. And you're like, you know what? They really don't like this food. I'm not going to expose it to them. But in reality, what research actually shows is that you have to show it to them Around fifteen plus times for them to actually start accepting the food, not necessarily even just take a bite of it, but accepting it, meaning having it near the plate, having a little Mm -hmm. maybe little nibble of it, right, or um, touching it and things like that. So you actually have to expose it to them frequently consistently often it's a persistence so it's not necessarily okay three to eight times seems like a lot of times to expose a child to food but you need to double that if you want your child to um, be comfortable with this certain food that you want them to try a lot of consistency and repetition yeah
1: yep so that's where my number two comes from it's just not giving up on trying to give your kids the foods that you want them to eat because you know it's going to serve them to a greater extent than something else, all because they say no. Because in reality, it's not really no. It's just more like not right now is really what it is. But when you when you just give them the kids menu, so just to, to kind of explain why it's the kids menu thing, it's because you're conditioning them to just gravitate towards the same things all the time. And when you funnel them in like that, they don't want to try anything new. Because you're we're limiting them we're, basically.
0: you don't know you are them. because you want to be you have them be comfortable, right? You want them Correct. to eat what they um, they're comfortable with, um, what you know they'll eat, but in reality you are and, and it goes
1: back to people wanting their kids to just be stuffed and eat a ton because they think that's what's very, very important for them right. And of course, yeah, you want them to eat adequate amounts of food, but not at the not at the sacrifice of giving up everything else. Now all you're gonna eat is brown fried foods, right that that that's really what that is. So number two, just feed your kid a variety of foods and don't limit them because if you limit them, they're just going to stay limited and they're going to not want to try different things, right? Like our nanny, for instance, she talks about how her, kid, her her boyfriend was raised in a way and now he's 21 years old and he eats like a child, right? Macaroni and cheese and chicken tenders and fries. So he wasn't exposed to a lot of different foods and guess what? He grew accustomed to that and that became his new norm and that was just the, his reality. She's like, yep, I like this. I grew up on this. That stuff makes me happy, makes me feel good. So uh, that's all. I don't need anything else. So let's not do that. Let's open up their palates and have them explore different kinds of foods because it is going to be in your best interest, depending on where you are, because sometimes you don't get to control what kind of foods around you. So make sure that you help your kids to explore different types of flavors and textures and all that good stuff. So when you are under in a place where you don't necessarily get to choose what they get to eat, because there's already a preset menu, they're not going to starve and you're going to have to be like, ah, I have to go to McDonald's really fast and go out of your way. Right. That's very, very inconvenient. So that is my number two. Now, number three, of course, we got to throw in a little bit of physical activity here. So the third thing that I would not do as a fitness and nutrition coach parent is allow my kid to sit all day being inactive and unproductive. Now, I know if we're talking about a one, two, three-year-old, you're like, how in the heck can a kid be productive? Well, look, when you're a kid, Mm -hmm. your job is to test everything out, experiment and explore. Mm -hmm. That is your job. That is productivity, right? So if your kid is just stuck on a screen all day, mindlessly looking at it, They're not being productive because their job is to run around, bite things, crawl, feel, fall down, and all that good stuff. This is what children are meant to do. So I would never allow my child to just sit there all day, every day, just for the sake of me getting peace or them being peaceful or or not crying or whatever it may be. Kids need to run around and explore and fall down. They need to get dirty. Sometimes they need to bleed. That's just the reality of raising tough little kids who are doing what's right so that they can develop not only mentally, but physically as well. So I'm not saying you have to keep your kid off of a screen all day, every day, because the reality is this is their future and technology is going to be a big part. But there has to be a certain level of balance that makes sense. They can't be on a screen for eight hours for every 10 minutes outside. Let them be kids kids need to be kids. Kids aren't meant to be on screens all the time. I've talked to parents before who were like, my kid loves this door of the Explorer show. My kid loves this. I'm like, your kid's like nine months. Your kid doesn't know what the heck they're watching. They just hear noises and flashy sounds that is being unproductive for a child. They can't even interpret or comprehend what they see. They just know that it looks attractive because it's flashing lights. That would be being unproductive as a child. When a kid is nine, 10 months or so, they're supposed to be crawling and feeling around and putting gross stuff in their mouth Yeah, <laughs> like a like chair would, of a table or something yeah
0: you know what um what i've um, noticed as an early intervention is as a speech pathologist working with the pediatric population and i've done in-home um, services is that some kids who don't have that experience where they're able to crawl around and actually put things in their mouth because that's part of development is that yeah. some kids later on when um when you know, of course you have to think of safety and um, if it's dirty and things like that. Of course. Put, naturally put things in their mouth because that's the way that they're exploring. And I um, often see like parents say, oh, don't put that in your mouth or take it away. And sure enough, a couple of years later, where when they're supposed to pass that stage already of not having to put things in their mouth, they are still putting things in their mouth because they didn't have that when they were younger. They're still exploring. They need to be able to, um, they need that. Right. They need that sensation or that sensory input because they didn't have it when they're younger. And I see two to three year olds or um yeah, three year olds who are still putting things in their mouth because they mm-hmm. didn't have that when they were younger. And then also um going back to when I was uh doing therapy at in homes, I often see families with kids and I'm sure they um they did not know this, right? But with a family sometimes they keep their kids in the playpen or their playpen is small too small where kids can't really explore or they're right. always just in that small confined space that they are um their physical um skills for example are limited or they just have other delays because they didn't have that experience i had a little girl um who was Grandma didn't know, right? The little girl was um, being taken care of grandma who grandma was taking care of like maybe four other kids. So this little baby, she was in her car seat the whole day, basically the whole day or she would be in a high chair when grandma was feeding her and grandma had of course she um she loved her her grandchild but she just didn't know that she needed this um she needed opportunities to crawl and to move around because she had other kids and other toddlers running around that she needed to care for so Mm. um, so
1: one of them got the short straw but not even realizing it that would be being stuck in a car seat all day like you said, doesn't allow the child to explore and do the things that they need to do to develop. Typically, that would be being inactive and unproductive. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, most parents, well, I want to say most parents, but some parents just don't know that. Yes. Like exactly. they think that their kids like we've had this discussion many times in the past where if kids are doing something and it looks like they're being bad or doing bad things and they try to tell them, don't do that, don't do that. No kid does it with malicious intent. They're exactly. literally just exploring and experimenting with cause, cause and effect, and, effect and, yeah. and reactions, which is, again, just another form of cause and effect and all that stuff. So they're not being bad. And they're they don't just know that they're job. being
0: quote unquote bad they don't know
1: correct correct which is why it was very easy to for me for at least the first three years of ace being alive to not get mad whenever he did something quote unquote wrong because he didn't do anything wrong and he never has done anything wrong he's only done what was best for him and his best interest and something that he thought was cool or fun or like a learning experience right so although it might have been terrible like Mm -hmm. let's talk about the time where he he purposely knocked over the plant with all the dirt on the floor so he could take his play vacuum and pretend to clean up because he saw me just vacuuming prior. Am I going to be mad at him because he wanted to do what dad did, which is cleaning up because he knows that it's something productive and something that we're supposed to do? No, I was laughing and I made a video out of it because it was just it was hilarious. But that right there is productivity for a kid. It's funny because for us, we're like, no, what are you doing? I just clean up here. No, that's bad wrong.
0: We're putting that awesome, connotation H. of it being yes. bad in there.
1: Yes. Yeah, I applauded that. Like mm-hmm. I was laughing and I made a video out it and I applauded it because I'm like, dude, this guy created a problem so he can solve it. That's experimentation. That's productivity. That is cool. That is development, ha- development happening right before your eyes. So it's all in, in your understanding with how you're going to interpret what your child does. Most parents will gravitate towards bad job, spank, this, that, or scolding, whatever the heck they do. I was just laughing and I'm like, wow, He saw me do this and he wanted to copy me. So that's that was actually super super cool. Now, number four, number four of the things that I would not do, I would never lead my kid to believe that failing equates to being a failure. This Mm -hmm. one is extremely important, ladies and gentlemen. Listen very Very powerful,
0: say it again. This
1: one is extremely important. Never ever ever make your kid even slightly believe. That failing at something equates to being a failure. I grew up with this thinking. I grew up that if you tried and failed, you were a failure. And all this ever did was stopped me from trying to pursue what I really wanted to pursue because I was scared of failing and having that title of a failure tagged to my name. I now know after much personal development, after tons of money invested in coaching programs and everything of that that nature, that failing is nothing but an opportunity to get better. I like to think about like the scientific method, right? If you fail at something, it just means you found out the right way to do it wrong, I guess you can say. So what does that mean? It means just don't do that and try the next thing. Every wrong thing that you do is one step closer towards the right thing. Failure is literally just a learning opportunity. But whenever we take, whenever we scare our kids into thinking that if you fail, you're going to be a failure, you're literally, you're, you're killing so much potential aspirations and everything. You're, you're literally killing their dreams. You should never, ever, ever do this because if they grow up thinking that every time they have a great idea or it could be a terrible idea, who knows an Mm -hmm. idea, you know, whatever the idea is,
0: they're not going to want to do
1: it. It could be the best idea in the world. But guess what? If they were raised to be scared of trying new things because of failure, what if your kid is the next Elon Musk, next Steve Jobs, next, you know, Bill Gates, but they never had the opportunity to, well, they did, but they were too scared to take that leap because you made them think that if they failed, there were failures. What if your kid is the next Jeff Bezos? You don't know that you have to, you have to teach them that failure is part of the process to success. There's so many kids out there that have so much potential. There's so many people that could have changed the world if they just had the opportunity or the know-how or the knowledge or the understanding that failure is nothing but a part of the process.
0: That's a huge one.
1: Yeah. Yes. 100%. Now, the last one, which is also extremely, extremely, extremely important, is I will never, ever, ever be a hypocrite. Now, this is what I mean. Mm. I'm a fitness and nutrition coach. So when Madonna was pregnant with Ace, what I decided to do was to get in the best shape of my life because I did not want my son to be born to a hypocrite, right? So pretty much bottom line of this particular one is your kids will eventually, like they'll listen to what you say, but as they develop and they grow and they create their own identity, they're going to start to see, are your words and actions congruent with what you tell them to do? Because the kids, your kids will only do what you say for so long until they they build up enough I guess language or whatever and create their own identity to the point where they're like, okay, what, like what the heck's going on here? They're going to do what we, what they see, not what we say.
0: Yeah. So you cannot be, you
1: have to be very, very consistent and congruent with what you're telling your kids. Don't tell your kids that you better eat healthy. If you're eating like trash, don't tell your kids that they have to go outside and play. If you're never working out yourself. Don't tell your kids that you should be trying new foods when you're always ordering the same exact stuff all the time and never willing to try anything else. You got to make sure that what you're telling your kids is exactly what you practice. Otherwise, there will be a level of resentment there that you can't take back because they're so going to lose that
0: you. consistency. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, to, um, I was saying to pick it back from that too is that and it, we were just talking about this, the right Zach. Um, mm-hmm when uh, whatever period of time that is as we're getting older you know for our kids we are like their heroes they look up yep. to us we are their primary caregivers their primary teachers their first teachers any um, everything that you want to say right as they get older and as they're growing up they see um they see us as, as that but they were there will be a point in time where they're going to see us the adult in their life their parents and how they are in um and how they are in the society, not necessarily just mm-hmm. as parents, but they're going to see us and how we are in our environment and how we objectively, objectively. not yes. just like they grow Super up.
1: biased when you're growing up because yes. we're their heroes and they don't know any better, right? Like you could be exactly. the worst human on earth, but if you're their dad, they're going to be like, that's my hero. I look up to him mm-hmm. until they're old enough to, the, to be able to see you as a human being objectively in the world. And they're just like, wait up. Yeah.
0: How how do you yeah. want? The thing here is, how do you want your child to see you objectively? Do they want to continue? um to Do you want them to continue seeing you as their hero? Or do you want that resentment or that incongruency? Right. Like, hold up. My dad used to tell me this, but look, look what he's doing. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. And that, that goes back to why I got in the best shape of my life. Right. Because I want Ace to grow up to be a healthy young man right? And then a healthy adult. And then to teach his kids to do exactly the same. Why? Because the scientific literature is very clear that when you are healthier, you live a longer, longer, higher quality of life, period. So why would I not want to maximize my kids' opportunity to live the best life possible, considering we only got one on earth, right? You got one body, so treat it with the respect it deserves. So you cannot be a hypocrite, man. You have to make sure that, I mean, kids are just an extension of who we are. But every single human being who has a kid, I'm sure this is true for everybody. Your goal is to create pretty much another you, but better. Yes. That is the goal. That is the goal. And if you're being a hypocrite, if you're being the dad that's just overweight and, and obese and can't even hardly breathe, walking up a flight of stairs, eating Doritos on the sideline, telling your kids to run a few more laps because they need to you know, participate and do better in, in sports.
0: You got to be there with be like, them. You got to be there with them, like, running with them. Yeah,
1: their kid's going to be like, dude, What? Do you know what I mean? Like they'll only do that for so long until they start to realize, my my dad is a lazy slob. He's not even down. He can't even do this himself if he wanted to. Now there's a big difference between if I was coaching Ace, telling him to do that, taking a coaching role, or if I was just being like a backseat driver, the obese dad that was out of breath and I'm only telling him to do it. But my kid knowing well that I don't even have the capacity to do so because I'm just so overweight. This is why I'm in shape because if I want Ace to live the same kind of life as me, then I better live the life that I want. Right, I, I'm not going to tell him to do something that I'm not doing. I'm not going to tell Ace to pursue his own dreams when I'm not pursuing my own.
0: Yeah, it,
1: it, it doesn't work like that. Kids it does do not work what like they that.
0: See, not what we say, right? So that's the no, that's always. the main part. Always, always, yeah. always. They're always watching guys, whether you know it or not, you see and listening, and, your listening. Children. and listening and mm-hmm. listening. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We don't always see it. And we don't always notice. But kids feel your energy. Kids are imitating. Kids are listening. And this is how they're learning. And this is how they're growing.
1: Yep, yep. So I'll cover it real fast. My 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 list of five things I wouldn't do as a fitness nutrition dad. Um, Number one. Tell them that there are bad foods because there's not, there are no inherently bad foods. There are just less nutritious, nutritious foods and more nutritious foods. And you just got to teach your kids to prioritize the stuff that's going to serve your body and fuel you for optimal performance, which is the more nutritious whole food sources. Number two, I'll never give them a kid's menu when eating out because I want them to have an open palate and try a bunch of different things and never, and, and along with number two, as you tacked onto it was Never give up trying to give them certain foods on the first or second try because it takes at least 15 tries. So keep going. They will accept it eventually. Of course, with positive reinforcement, you have to eat it yourself. Don't be a hypocrite, which is number five. Don't tell them to eat broccoli if they don't see you eating broccoli, okay? That's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. Number three, I will never allow them to sit all day inactive and unproductive. Give your kid the opportunity to go out, explore, bite things, fall down, get dirty, and sometimes even bleed. This is how kids learn and experiment and become the best they can be is by testing their limits. Within reasonable and safe measures, of course. Yes, Number you're four, still guiding
0: them. You're
1: still guiding them. Yes. I'm not saying go and put them on a you know a hill and let them rock climb or whatever the heck. I'm just saying, you know, let them do their thing. Let them be kids. Don't let them sit on the screen all day. All right. They got to go out, move those jo- joints, move those muscles, build coordination and stability and strength and all those things that kids need to do. Number four, I would never lead them to believe that failing equates to failure. That is a mental block, a glass ceiling. That is something that is going to inhibit their true potential if you make them scared that, you know, of failing because they're going to be titled a failure. Failure is nothing but an opportunity to be better and and understanding that this way just didn't work. So let's try it another way. Do not limit your child's potential by making them scared. Let them do what they need to do chase their dreams and aspire to be whoever they want and work towards it and encourage it. Number five, I will never, ever, ever be a hypocrite. If I want my kid to live a healthy lifestyle, I better be living one too. Kids will do what they see, not what we say. And if you want your kids to have a certain level of respect for you, not resentment, you better make sure that what you're telling them to do is in, is congruent with who you are and what you practice. Boom.
0: Boom. Perfect. So guys, this was a value packed episode, and remember to share with your friends and your your um significant other your and anyone everybody. and Everyone. everybody definitely. <laughs> you know we really enjoy doing these episodes for you guys, and we hope you're enjoying listening to it as well. So remember to write us a review and just share away. You could find me on Making Learning Special and Zach. You know we never put your your thing out there. Where can they find you?
1: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um well this isn't my well, you can show, always find if...
0: him on my page because he's basically there but where can yes, they this also is find true, you?
1: this is true but you can find me at um on instagram it's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me at zach smith fit if you do have any questions about anything related to fitness or nutrition feel free to just ask away Um, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of things that we do as adults actually carry over to children as well, minus the having to emphasize protein. So don't think that you need to stuff your kid full of protein. They don't need that as much right now, but I'm always open. If anybody has any questions about anything whatsoever, man, because my business itself is I just try to help people become the best they can be in every facet of life with health and fitness as the foundation. So I try to help adults do that so that we can teach children to do it as well, which is why me and Madonna work so well together. We have a great dynamic from, from ages zero to a million.
0: Exactly. Boom. Second boom.
1: Second (laughs) boom.
0: All right, guys. We'll see you on our next episode. Have a good one.